0: Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks, when they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS+. Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS+, Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS Weekly Stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers, and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch, and if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast and we've got so many cool projects on the boil, none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus.
1: Hello, my name is Alex Markley, and I'm inviting you to check out my new podcast. It's a surreal sci-fi comedy series called The Unlikely Adventures of an Improbable Family. It's about a forlorn shell of a man, his egotistical laptop, a cartoon alien fuzzball, and a mysterious woman with telepathic abilities. You can find The Unlikely Adventures on the web at unlikely.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And thanks! So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Today's episode has been sponsored by Territory, the new novella from Dan Howarth. In a remote Finnish hunting community, darkness and the cold hold the villagers close. As a pack of wolves threaten the villagers' future, grief-stricken hunter Jari must unite the population to reclaim their territory. Old feuds and dark habits rear their heads as Jari tries to lead the villagers through their toughest season, but it soon becomes clear that not everyone will survive the winter. Territory by Dan Howarth is available today. Today's episode is Husk, written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by James Barnett, aka Jimmy Horace.
1: Grandpa's getting old. Well, I say he's getting old. Robert George Stanwell was already old long time before I was born. Great-grandpas are built that way. We come into life knowing them as withered, aged, and slow, like a prune floating on a frozen sea. It's just the way of things. Even at 12 years old, I'm old enough to know that. We visit him every Sunday after church. Mum steals a congressional wafer and brings it to his bedside. She thinks the pastor doesn't know but I know he does. There's a deliberateness to the way he always turns to talk to Sally Harper when it's mum's turn to take a nibble, a sly smile on his face. He's a kind man, tall with dark hair, the way grandpa used to be in pictures above the mantel. He used to look so strong, so powerful. He doesn't look like that anymore. That might be why mum took the photos down. There's hardly anything human left in Grandpa. Even the smell of his room is unsettling. A scent I'd come to learn as urine and bleach, and it's anyone's guess, really. Though when I close my eyes, all I can see is hair and dirt. His skin is the same virgin white as the cotton sheets that drape his body. They're only thin. Even Laurie, my baby sis can pick up their edges as easily as if they'd float away. Yet the cotton looks like it's crushing Grandpa, pinning him into position. He hasn't moved in months. His eyes don't open. Don't even blink. His mouth hardly takes the wafer from Mum. And I swear that if they didn't just melt on his tongue, they'd choke him. There's little human left in him anymore. Even I know that. Only a faint, whispering heartbeat, tracked by a slight bump on the bedside monitor, and a strange red mark on his thigh that we don't talk about anymore. It's worsened, a frumpy nurse with a kind face offers in soft whispers, thinking that Laurie and I can't hear. It's funny how much grown-ups underestimate the hearing of the young. As their own worsens, their whispers become shouts. Children are privy to a world grown-ups forget, Colours are brighter, sounds clearer, smells. What is that smell? There's something familiar to it, but I can only catch its edge. Any idea what it is yet? Mum asks. And for a moment, I think she's read my mind, until I see the defeated look in her eye as she gazes at the nurse. She knows the answer she wants isn't coming, it's just a formality. The dance we dance. The nurse sighs, shakes her head with apologetic eyes. He's got a heartbeat. He's still with us. That's something. Like, that's any consolation for his condition. Grandpa is hardening. There's no other way to explain it, really. Even I'm old enough now to notice the strange deterioration. In my earliest memories of Grandpa, I could sit by his bedside and hold one of his hands. His skin was soft to touch, each of my fingers leaving a small white impression that would take way too long to fade. Mum would sometimes sit me on the edge of the bed and I'd fall onto his stomach, his warmth radiating through the sheets and soothing me. I could hear his heartbeat, the rise and fall of his chest. He was very much a living, breathing human. Inactive, but alive. Now, though, Now Grandpa hasn't budged an inch in days, months, years. We don't touch him anymore because it scares Mum. It was a couple of months after Christmas that he first started what Laurie and I call flaking. I wanted to hold his hand. Mum said no, but she was distracted speaking to the nurse. I couldn't help but stare at his skin. What once had been a uniform stretch of white flesh was now cracked and divided like a parched floor of a desert. It was enchanting. Laurie was mesmerized by mum's iPad, volume off. That was a nice change. No one was there to stop me. So I poked him. There was a great big chunk on the back of his hand, one corner raised like the edge of a puzzle piece that had been played with by too many eager fingers. snapped under the slightest touch crackling like tracing paper the rest of the segment shifted I poked again it flaked away idly floating to the bedside leaving behind an angry red patch of skin that looked as though grandpa had been sitting out in the sun for way too long a muted scream mum's hands gripped my shoulders like talons She made a new rule. We stay on our chairs. Chairs which, incidentally, were now situated further back from the bed. Out of arm's reach. Grandpa looks so small. Visits are a lot less exciting these days. I sit beside Laurie as she amuses herself and I stare at Grandpa. I wish I knew the colour of his eyes. The only pictures I've seen are black and white. I know that he was once in the army. used to drive trucks around Germany. Africa. All in the fading days of the big world wars. He's been alone now for over a decade. Mum says he was a family man. But I don't know what that means. Dad made sure I wouldn't a long time ago. And Nana April? Well that's a sad story. Heart attack smoke too much, tar thick on her lungs. I've seen pictures on the internet of what that looks like. Mum says Nana should have outlived Grandpa, but who would want to see their husband deteriorate to this husk? I think Nana got out at a good time. Not that there's ever really a good time to go. The nightmares keep me awake. Not the same one each time. But even I can tell there's a common thread to their story. Today it's the spider. There's a smell in the air. Familiar, yet alien. It's nighttime. Not that I can see the sky. The forest floor is littered with strewn leaves which crackle and pop beneath each step. There's no way to tiptoe. Though I know I should. Something's watching me. In the canopy above, a million sparkling eyes stare my way. I don't know where I should be walking, yet walk I do. The trees part so I may pass, until I reach a hollow with a trickling brook cutting across its centre. I'm so thirsty. The water is an unnatural black in the darkness, like ink. I stare for an unholy amount of time before it presents itself from the shadows above. No spider should be the size of a tool shed. Yet there it is. One moment it wasn't. Now it is. A statuesque beast, half melted into the bough of an enormous oak, almost as though the abdomen is the trunk. Its skin is grey, mottled, hard, cracked. A creature carved of stone. Dozens of eyes stare at me. I can see the universe in their orbs. I can see galaxies swirling. And there we stand, the spider and I. There we watch. I can't tell if the spider is real or stone, or a mixture of the two. It doesn't move an inch. I don't move a muscle. There we remain, as eons span and stars burn and fade. Until my skin crawls and my breathing quickens. I begin to cry. The brook chuckles. The spider watches. And that's usually the point in which I would wake. That's where reality and dawn would meet me. And Laurie would smile at me and I would forget. Today is different. Today the spider is shaking. No. Vibrating. I don't notice it at first. It's only when the first pebbles shake free of its skin that it becomes clearer. There's a soft humming, and I look around the clearing, expecting an insect or critter to be at work nearby. The micro movements grow in ferocity until the spider boils before my eyes. The oak sways, groans, its canopy whispering as great brown leaves float down and form a storm inside the clearing, obscuring my view of the beast. I can still feel it. I can still smell it. Earthy, rich, damp. I try to take a step back, but my feet are fixed to the ground by thick, knotted roots. Something heavy begins to walk, and just for a fraction of a moment, as I search through the maelstrom of foliage, I see it. I see his face. I bat an arm, fight the leaves and as they clear where the spider had been is now just an empty shell. It's translucent, blood fringing the hole where the creature had crawled free from its casing. I approach the strange hide, reaching out a tentative finger, feel the flaking crust peel away from the skin and float to the ground, lost among the leaves. There's a person inside. Or at least what I think is a person. He's shivering, skin-red raw, almost glowing in the darkness. He's hunched over, grasping his knees, reminding me of the time Laurie tumbled from her bike on Fox Hill and grazed her knee. His back is to me, something familiar about his shape, his hairline. And then he turns, a sudden snap of the neck, dark eyes with no whites, A smile for a gargoyle, not a man. Not for grandpa. I suck in breath, stagger back. There is no scream. I fall into the brook. My ass grows damp. I'm forced to stare at the sky. A thousand stars wheeling overhead at a dizzying pace. Mesmerizing. Hypnotic. A dark shape whispers through the trees, blocking the view before the monstrous creature leaps down at me. A 50-foot drop. All legs and gossamer threads and eyes and fangs. It's okay, baby. Mummy's here. I can smell her perfume. Electric fantasy. Her chest is warm. Familiar arms cradling my head to her bosom as the tears flow. Amidst the cloud of artificial spray, I blush at the smell of my own piss. I can't remember the last time I wet myself. It's going to stain, I babble, knowing that mum is thinking the same thing. But still she holds me and lets me know that's okay. Some things are more important than stains and stinks. We go to visit grandpa later that day. The dream hangs over me. Darker than the clouds which block the winter's sun. Lori is quiet. Hasn't said a word. I know she knows. Younger siblings absorb the world by osmosis. Though they haven't the words to voice it. Today is different. Today will change everything. It's written in the static in the air. My dream lingers in my mind. The force is setting my skin afire. The backs of my hands are dry, beginning to flake. Mum's moisturiser didn't work. There is no one to greet us when we arrive. We sign in at reception, then make our way to Grandpa's room. Music plays on the radio. Tinny renditions of ancient songs sung from lungs that haven't drawn breath in decades. Chemicals and bleach sting my nostrils. The smell. Stronger, more potent. Lori can smell it too. Her nose is wrinkled. Her lips smack dryly. Mum pretends that nothing is different. That everything is normal. Adults do that. I wish they didn't. Mum is the first one through the door. I know this through more than just sight. I know this because of the heavy pause she takes, hands moving as if in slow motion to her cheeks. The scream she unleashes could break mountains, could split seas. I stand behind her with Laurie, peeking past her thin frame, a body that has only further deteriorated since Dad left and Grandpa clung on. We both see the strange shape on the bed, the husk in the shape of Grandpa, The translucent skin, hardened, with only a small hole where a creature may have slithered out. Its edges fringed with blood. Its lip puckered outward. There's a small trail of pink on the ground. As though a snail had cut its foot and blood had mixed with its slime. Then mum falls. It's too much for her to take. She folds like paper. Her head thumping against the ground with a hollow thunk. Only the whites in her eyes. I can see milky galaxies in their orbs. Something scuttles at the end of the hallway. Commotion around the corner. A light flickers as the wet sound of feasting reaches our ears. The dying protestations of an older woman. Shadow indistinct, a smell overwhelming. Laurie stands behind me, shaking, mumbling, the iPad screen cracked on the floor. She's afraid. I'm not. I glance at my hands and smile, a flake drifting to the floor. I don't think Grandpa is old anymore.
2: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Husk was written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by James Barnett, aka Jimmy Horace, edited by Carl Hughes with Music by Null, TL Records, and Tom Robson. And sound effects provided by Freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington. ...for spooking the neighbours with the content demons... ...he raises with his copy of the social media Necronomicon. Daniel Wilcox is an international best-selling author... ...and award-winning podcaster of dark fiction. He is an author coach, founder and CEO of Activated Authors... ...one quarter of digital story studio Hawk & Cleaver... ...co-founder of this podcast... ...CEO of horror imprint Devil's Rock Publishing... ...and the host of the Activated Authors podcast. Dan is furiously passionate about creativity and productivity. He has written 60 plus books since 2015 for himself and on behalf of ghostwriting clients. His mission in life is to activate creatives and authors to ensure they keep their creative flames and passions burning in a sustainable, positive and healthy way. James Barnett is the producer of the Night's End podcast, a short story fiction podcast with tales of horror and the paranormal. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts and you can also catch other works of his at James Barnett Creative. Have you always dreamed of writing short and scary fiction but have not known where to start? Or perhaps you're the kind of person who has a million rough drafts sitting on their hard drives with no endings. Or you're always off in your own world, doodling monsters in your mind's eye, wondering how to get those creatures out from your brain and onto the page. Then why not check out our Getting Started Writing Short Horror Stories mini-course. Spots are now available, so grab your seat over at theotherstories.net forward slash courses. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver, and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. Until next time.